O God, may the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to your sight. For you are the Lord, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. It was 1996. I found myself standing outside of a night pulled up, and I hopped in. And a man shared with me the gospel of Jesus Christ. He shared with me of God's love for us. That God has a purpose for your life. That you need to receive Jesus. The man had Christian music on in his car. I said, bro, just drive. I don't really want to talk religion. He said, I want to pray for you. I want to share with you this great news of God's love for you. And sending his son Jesus Christ for you to die on the cross for you, to bear our sins, that we are put right with God. I haven't met that man again, that's some years ago. The next morning I went to a local church, I didn't go to church, and I heard the preacher preaching of the story of the prodigal son who has come, come home to the father. As I listened to this man speak of the gospel, and I am so grateful to God that salvation has come. God has come to you. In all different ways, you are here. You have received the gospel, the good news of what God has done in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, for you. And that you are accepted, you are received through Christ. It is atoning sacrifice on the cross that we are forgiven, we are redeemed. The theme of the message tonight is that we have a gospel to proclaim. Have confidence in Jesus Christ and his gospel. You have the greatest news that you must share. by nature that you have been called as a people of God to proclaim. We hear of the accounts of the, of the epistle and I want to take us through this passage as we are reminded of our calling. The Apostle Paul as you know, 
is writing to the Christians in Thessalonica. The Apostle Paul had his first contact with these people. And the people of Thessalonica, those who have heard the gospel and received with great joy, and they have turned away from idols to the one living true God. And now the apostle writes to the church to remind them of who they have become, of the calling placed on their lives. You yourselves, brothers and sisters, that are coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been treated shamefully at Philippi, as you know, we had courage in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in spite of great opposition. What is Paul here speaking of? He's saying that we have come to you, your first contact with us, that we have come and we have come not in vain. For you receive the gospel with great joy. You have turned from idols to the one true God. And the apostle then declares, as you know I have suffered, but we had courage in our God to declare to you the gospel in spite of great opposition. We know from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16, the Apostle Paul and Silas were treated harshly at Philippi. They were dragged through the public street to the markets and then they were thrown into prison. And we know what happened there. At midnight we hear the Apostle Paul and Silas singing hymns and praying to God and a mighty act of God of intervention freed Paul from prison. Despite great opposition, we declare to you the gospel. Right through this passage we hear central is the gospel. What is this gospel that the apostle is referring to? That's not along the same line of the most controversial question of our day. What is a woman? There cannot be some defined. What is the gospel that the apostle Paul is speaking of? The content of the gospel is his proclamation of the life, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, he is the one sent from God. We have died in sin, but through Christ, he bore our sins. We are redeemed for God. And we are reconciled to God. 
That's the gospel he proclaimed. The Apostle Paul tells the church, our appeal to you did not spring from deceit or impure motives or trickery, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the message of the gospel, and so we speak to declare to you that salvation has come. Through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Great opposition to the gospel. Of course, when they declare the gospel, those key elements, the forces in opposition, when it's a declaration there of another king, not Caesar, another king, his name is Jesus. Persecution took place. And yet, the gospel was proclaimed. We brought the gospel to you, not through deceit or impure motives or trickery, but as those approved by God and entrusted with the gospel. Do you hear that? As those who are accepted by God, those who have received the gospel, those who believe in faith in what God has done in Jesus Christ, approved by God. Our relationship is put right with God, not on our merit, but in Christ. The apostle then declares, with this knowledge of knowing that we have been approved by God and trusted with the good news of Jesus Christ, we have come to you to share openly with you. We did not come to get the praise of people, including yourselves. You are witnesses, he says, and God is his witness, that we not, did not come with words of flattery or pretext for greed, nor did we seek the praise of people, though we may have been able to exercise our authority as apostles of Christ, no. We came to you as those approved by God and trusted with the good news of Jesus Christ. And we have proclaimed. We have proclaimed this good news to you with no other motives but to share with you this gift of salvation. Flattery, excessive praise that is insincere. 
We did not come with any other agenda to you, and you have received. How are we sharing this word today? What is the gospel? The church today, we exist in a time of great darkness. There is a hurricane outside the church and a tornado within the church. It seems that if you ask the question, what is the gospel? You can't really define it. It's a matter of perspective. What's happening in our churches today? Where the great historical faith to which we have been called is challenged by all that is relative. There is no absolute truth. Truth is relative. College. One of the panels of fellow lecturers in theology. And the questions that were asked was, do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And the answers came from servants of the gospel. Well, it depends on who you are. How do you see that? Is it a metaphor for the rising of new life from an old life? Is it necessary that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead? I mean, we understand, we accept Jesus, the life of Jesus and his teaching, but it's embarrassing to speak of death and resurrection and his ascension. Do you believe that God has come to us in the virgin birth, Jesus, born of Mary? Again, you have the world of the text. You can make up your truth. As long as you don't indoctrinate me. It sort of hangs together and it's fine. In a pluralistic society in which we live, look around today to this gospel that we are called, you and I are called to proclaim. The church that I have ministered to after the taxi driver experience and served in the Uniting Church for 21 years. Very blessed to serve. The church had come to an understanding that there are new revelations of God to the word of God. And that understanding is that where God who is God, love, God is love, 
where compassion is embodied in God, then all forms of relationships, of course, is of God. And so we've endorsed same-sex marriage. We have endorsed so many other new understandings that is contrary to the gospel that has been handed down. And it's blowing through the church unchecked because it works. It's the reasonable faith. We don't need a gospel that is offensive. Oh, no, 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 no. Can you imagine the experience of Paul and Silas arriving at Thessalonica? They just almost died on the way. They were beaten. They were whipped. They were humiliated. They were stripped of their clothing. And then they make their way to Thessalonica. I can imagine perhaps Silas may have said, Paul, do you think this message, we need to review it? It doesn't seem to be coming across to people. Maybe sort of wind it back, wind it back. Something reasonable that a logical, educated Greek can grasp onto and say, yeah, that's wisdom. Or be a great speaker with rhetoric so you can, you can draw people's attention. We don't hear that gospel. The Bible does not tell us that. Because they said our courage in God and great difficulty. It is the confidence, the trust, the faith in this word of God. That's where their courage has come from. That's where their confidence comes from. And as they go to proclaim, they go to proclaim as those as those who have been approved and entrusted, approved, accepted, entrusted to confer our duty and our responsibility, your task. Take it. And they declare. And they didn't come with flattery. They didn't come to the Sunday churches and confirm people and say, you know what? You're okay. And I'm okay. See you next Sunday. There's no flattery. He presented the gospel of what God has done in Jesus Christ. The Son of God, the one in whom there is no sin, becomes sin for our sake. The one who empties himself to the depth of abandoning himself on the cross. The one who bears and who says to you, you are accepted. You are loved by the living God. Receive it in faith. You can't do anything to add to that. Not on your merit. Not on your good works. Not even in your own right understanding, but by the sheer grace of God, in the costly grace of God that has come in Jesus Christ. Not this cheap grace that we hear of other gospel. 
the cheap grace where you want to be a follower of Christ, but don't talk to me about carrying a cross. The cheap grace of the church having all these wonderful tools to, to fill out and give out to people like baptizing children. Oh yeah, we baptize. Come on in. We baptize the children and then we fail to take responsibility to nurture, to share the gospel, to hand the gospel down. So we do. Baptize them and see her. We don't see them. But we'll just keep doing it. It is to take responsibility as those who have been accepted. That's you. You have been approved by faith in Christ. And you have been entrusted. So what are you going to do? Is your aim to please people? So, I mean, do you want people... Uh, I guess a lot of us are like that, hey? You want to be loved. You want to be... A speech that I give to congregations when I'm called to the congregation for the first time, and the speech goes like this. Friends, thank you for calling me as your new senior minister. My aim is to please people. Some of you will be pleased that I've come. Thank you. Some of you will be pleased while I'm here with you. Thank you. And some of you will be very pleased when I leave here. Either way, you will be pleased. That's not our task. We're not to please people. What are we to do? Share the living word of God that touches the heart and brings life. That can bring a man from blindness. That can bring a person from darkness. That can reach in to the imprisonment of a soul and to deliver and redeem. The news that a taxi driver can share, a total stranger with another. He has nothing to do with his life. He's done his job because he's entrusted. He's done his job. And what's our proclamation? The unambiguous gospel. Guys, people, don't get them wrong. What is a woman? Oh, that's a hard one. I love the American, African-American preacher when he was asked the question, what is a mother? What is a mother? Your mama. Simple. <laughs> Serious. You have been entrusted with the greatest news and you have the courage in God and your confidence is in God and the call to be faithful with this good news. The power of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul tells the Thessalonians, you receive the gospel with great, great joy and the power of the Holy Spirit. You as a congregation, you inspire. You as a congregation, your pastor inspires. Why? 
because you've taken the courageous step to hold to the gospel, to the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ and his promised return. It doesn't mean you're going to be popular. It doesn't mean you have many friends. But you've clean. That's what you've done. And you create a lifeboat. I remember when the Reverend Richard Condy, I heard him for the first time. He came to a conference of ours, he spoke about the formation of the Diocese of Southern Cross. And our ears opened. There is a place where we can journey in faithfulness. It's a hard road. In March last year, services, and myself as a senior minister, closed down by my church. Why? Because we rejected the new teaching that is being passed as the gospel. We held to the inerrant, infallible word, authoritative word of God. What does that mean? Well, we got booted out. Our doors closed, got evicted from the man's. You know, we're living in the man's. Given three weeks to move, nowhere to go, on the verge of homelessness. And my wife said, Lou, couldn't you just keep your mouth closed? <laughs> we had nowhere to move. We packed up all our belongings. We moved into a garage, surrounded by petrol, petrol, lawnmowers, whippersnipper. But we had a roof over our heads. And my wife made a little table, we're having dinner. And it was raining. I was just so grateful. It's a roof. And I looked at my wife and my daughter, they were so sad. I said, guys, come on. This is the most exciting day. Remember this night. Look at us eating this bowl of rice. We've got a roof of our heads. This is the cost of what we're doing. Let's keep going. And my daughter said, good night, Dad. And my wife said, talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> come on. This is the path of our courage and our confidence in Jesus Christ alone and his word. And the power of the Holy Spirit to action into our hearts and transform the lives of people. That's the gospel that we are seeking to proclaim. And you have been entrusted with this gospel. You have been entrusted with this gospel to go forth and proclaim. How do we do that? As a church, 
We do it for real because we love people. Paul says, we didn't come and trick you. We didn't put a hat on and try to hide all these motivations that we have. No, we were real and genuine with you because we love you so much. Listen to his words. Because we love you so much. Love God. Love the people. You cannot go to the other. You cannot have one or the other. Love God. Love the people. For real. No pretension. You know what I mean? Has to be real. Because you love people. This is what I want to share with them. I teach uh, evangelism classes in one church. Took my leadership, the council, went down straight down to the Sunnybank public bar. Here we were, whoa, people, workers, tradies everywhere. They, that time of the afternoon, it's loud. And, and we're talking about the faith. Hey, guys, look around here. What you have, you've got to share. You cannot put this away. It's not a personal sort of opinion. Your faith is not a private matter. You know what I mean? Like the elder in the church work, workplace who says, I'm a Christian. Shh, don't say it too loud. Yeah? We're sitting in the pub, right? So we did four weeks talking about how do we relate to one another? How can we share the gospel that that's real and genuine? So we did the theory, and I said, guys, the last session, I bring... Serious? Yes, we are. Here's my leaders, the council of my church. And off we go. And I can tell everyone's nervous. Everyone's like, oh, gosh, what should we do? And an engineer looked at me and says, Lou, should I carry my wallet or someone might, might jump me? Should I just p- 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 carry cash? Yeah, carry cash. It's good, carry cash. We walk into the club in the city. It is darkish. Some lights are going on. The beat, you hear it for the floor, right? And there's a pool table, pool table. This young lady, you can tell she's been drinking a lot. She's leaning over the, bar, the table. She's playing pool. Tiny little singular on her. But she's a large lady. Let's say large lady. She looks over at our group as we walk in. This guy's name's David. He's my chair of my council. She mistakes him for a friend. She's thinking it's Stephen. So she says, Stephen! David's looking, looking at me, looking at her, looking at me. What should I do? Hug her man's birthday! And this is the hug. See that? I get that. He wasn't sure, right? That's the embrace of the church with the culture. Not sure. Right? It's sort of awkward holding. How do you, how do you, you know, but we have the great news to engage deeper than that. The Apostle Paul says, we did everything we can, nothing to distract you, nothing. Day and night we worked. Why? Because we don't want to be a burden to you. No distraction because we want to share the gospel with you. Why? Because we love you so much. We love you so much. And that's what we are called to do. Know this, we embrace. We're going to learn to embrace and share the greatest news that you have. You have it. You've got to share it. Yeah? Following week, we went back. Dave was so pumped. We sat down. This time, we're at Wynnum Hotel. Two bikers walk in. 
sat at the bar. David says, Lou, I'm going to go over and talk to him. He said, no, 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 not now, David. Not now. He said, why? Just sort of pull back a bit, just not yet. He's keen, he's like, he's pumped to go to share. I said, well, just sort of hang out a bit. Maybe get to know people. Yeah? Because I think a bike you will find really strange is another guy sitting across to you with a table looking in your eyes. Like, what's your name? What do you do? See what I mean? But the embrace is that, and that's the confidence and the courage. Southside Church, people beyond here, that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We can't just stay here. Yeah. We've got to share. And when we share the gospel, as the Apostle Paul says, look at our life. The message and the life align. You with me? Yeah? And I'll close with this. You can't sort of have these words here and you're doing something else. I used to love worship leading but I've been banned from worship leading by my daughter and everyone else. But one Sunday, we used to lead worship. Drusilla at the time, uh, my wife and my two boys at the time, we were a great team. We'd like, she, leads, she sings and I lead worship and so forth. And we were practicing, and the service is supposed to start at six. It's like quarter to six. And I just said to Drew, I said, listen, um, maybe your voice sort of just needs to come down a little bit just sort of so we can harmonize and it just didn't go down well. Drew said, oh, right, see you later. <laughs> Took the two boys, walked to the manse, and I'm standing there looking at the time. It's five to six. People are coming into the service, right? We just had this huge fight. She's gone home, and I'm standing in the front saying, welcome to worship. How wonderful it is to have you here, to be at peace with yourself and with God. And I'm going, Drew, we're going to have words when I get home. <laughs> Can you see how that's the nature, right? But the gospel here has to be embodied. It's real. Yeah? It's real. The challenge is, look at where you are in your relationship, at work, at home. Who is it that is near you that should be hearing the greatest news from you? I wonder if there's someone just sort of waiting to be embraced, to share with them. I'll never forget the taxi driver, two men hugging in a taxi, and I'm crying and thanking God for life, and I, I couldn't care less as people looking in the taxi going, oh, look at these two guys, look at these two guys. Because there's two men hugging inside and it's fogging up, and who cares, right? We're looking to embrace. You have the greatest news to be shared. May you find courage, confidence in Jesus Christ and his gospel. Amen. I think it's pretty logical that we stand and we sing that gospel, the news of Jesus Christ, what he has done for us of life in him.